So getting behind that, we've actually implemented an aquaponics farm within our hotel. So it's the first urban aquaponics farm in, within, a, within a hotel in the world. It's 460 square meters. It's on level five of the hotel and it produces fish and vegetables. Hello, my name is Renee Leith Manos. Welcome to this podcast, Where To From Here? featuring conversations about luxury travel and how it's changing in every pocket of the globe. Hello, I'm Marcus Hanna, and I'm sitting in Sky Restaurant on the 70th floor of the Swiss Hotel in Singapore with Renee Lefmenos on her fantastic podcast about the future of luxury travel. So tell us, how have the recent events affected the five-star luxury hotel market in Singapore? So, look, the pandemic has obviously affected Singapore in a, in a big way. Um, being a, a small nation of 5, 5.6 million people, uh, where the majority of our um, hotels rely on inbound travel, and pre-COVID we had close to 18 million people arriving into Singapore per year. And that dropped pretty much by uh, over 90%. So we've had a significant um, slowdown in business. Luckily, we've had great support from the Singapore government through a job support scheme, which has keep, kept people employed. Our colleagues have been amazing uh, through this period. And you know, we, we had uh, 300 colleagues seconded to different businesses uh, last year. And in fact, um, you know, more than 18 months down the track, we still have 12 colleagues still seconded. And just the flexibility the colleagues have shown has been, been amazing over this period. You know, there still has been um, some, some good stories. You know, we, we're still doing staycations and the Singapore market has most certainly uh, helped us um, get through this pandemic with their, their support about the staycations that we've had in the market. We feel we're getting light at the end of the tunnel, but uh, we've still got a fair way to go. And tell us, Singapore has a population of some 5 million people, whereas Australia has about 26 million, yet you are a land chock-a-block with fantastic hotels and high-end restaurants and probably a lot more than here in Australia. Why is that? People simply in Singapore, people love food. You know, they, uh, Singaporeans, they dine out a lot and that's that's been a saving grace for us over this period where some of our restaurants have actually done better than pre-COVID. So, you know, I think, you know, there's, there's more disposable income for those that are still in, in a job. They're not traveling. They're looking for experiences. And we've certainly seen an increase. That's all dependent on the numbers that have been allowed to go out, of course. But, uh, you know, if you take John by Kirk Westaway, our two Michelin star restaurant, it's doing phenomenally well. You know, it's full pretty much lunch and dinner daily. Where I'm, where I'm sitting now, Sky up on level 70, it's also doing ex- extremely well. And we, we even introduced a third uh, meal period, high tea, in the afternoon, which is close to fully booked every Friday and Sunday and, and very well patronised during the week. So Singaporeans love food. They love going out. It's been wonderful for us. How do you see the future of Michelin star restaurants, given you've got one in the Fairmont Hotel there? Michelin star restaurants are doing extremely well. You know, our, our restaurant, uh, John by Kirk Westaway, is just going from strength to strength at the moment. We, we were very fortunate and so, so proud and happy for the team that 
we achieved our second Michelin star earlier this year. And we're the only restaurant in Singapore that went from one Michelin to two Michelin stars this year. Congratulations. So, wow. Thank you. Yeah, look, it's kudos to, to Kirk and, uh, and the, the team and Glenn and the front of house team. I mean, they've done an exceptional job. Michelin star restaurants in Singapore right now are very, very well patronised. The guests or the people in Singapore, they're, they're looking for those experiences. So they're really looking for something different. And, and about three years ago, Kirk came to us and, and said, I want to be true to my roots. So he, Kirk um, comes from Devon in England. And uh, John previously was a European restaurant with U- U- European cuisine. And he said, I want to be true to my roots. And I'd, I'd like to, to look at um, you know, reinventing British cuisine. And we thought, well, let, let's give it a go. That sounds amazing. And, and so he's done that and it's, he's owned this new concept. We couldn't be happier. It's, um, it's fabulous. And, and like I said, it's, it's pretty much full lunch and dinner daily. Well, Singapore really is a global city. Absolutely it is. And, you know, no matter what type of cuisine you, you're after, you, you'll find it here. You know, we're, we're very fortunate, you know, and there's, there's restaurants opening all the time. Still during the pandemic, we're seeing restaurants open. There's such a great dining scene here. So for visitors and for people that live in Singapore, it's, it's just an incredible opportunity to dine out and experience different types of cuisine. No, absolutely. And I'm really intrigued because I myself lived in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia a long time ago. And the Prime Minister at the time, Mahathir, had a vision for 2020, which is, of course, past now. But I'm so intrigued by the 30-30 vision that Singapore has to have its own nutritional needs met, um, at least 30% of them, by 30-30. Can you talk us through what that means for luxury hotels and for you? Singapore currently produces under 10% of its nutritional needs for the country. So it's a real opportunity to, to look further into what Singapore can do and what more it can produce. Obviously, there's limited land here in Singapore. So um, the government's looked at it and said, well, you know, we, we need to have a sustainable source of our own produce that is produced here in Singapore sustainably. So getting behind that, we've actually implemented an aquaponics farm within our hotel. So it's the first urban aquaponics farm in, within, a, within a hotel in the world. It's 460 square metres. It's on level five of the hotel and it produces fish and vegetables. And the beauty of it is the fish and vegetables that come out of this, the vegetables, they're, they're better than organic because there's no pesticides used. If we use any pesticides, we'll kill the fish. So it's about as fresh as you can get. So we, we can have a literally farm to table in 20 minutes. And it's also great for our chefs to be able to go down, do their own harvest, plan what they want to grow as well. And, and the growth cycle is so quick. You know, from the time we seed to the time we harvest is about three weeks for, for many of the vegetables. So it's quite incredible. Why so, so quick? Why so quick? It's just a function of the way aquaponics works. So there's, there's no soil. It's an, its own integrated system. So the, the waste of the fish, it fertilizes the garden. That then cleans that water and it goes back through a filter into, back into the fish. So it's a completely integrated system. We have LED lights that give another five hours of a light per day to assist that growth cycle. And, uh, and it's just amazing produce. The, the reaction we get from people that firstly go up and experience our, our farm and then also those that then taste the produce, it's quite incredible because when you consider that most of our lettuces or kale or herbs would have come from Australia or Malaysia or somewhere else around the globe, and goodness knows how, how many weeks old they are, now, essentially, you're getting it as, as fresh as you can. 
So and is this is this just for the Michelin star high end restaurants or high end food in the hotel, or is this across the board? This produce. This is across the board for all our restaurants and even our convention centre. We 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 use it there as well. So within Singapore now, you, you're seeing a lot more hydroponic farming. There's many rooftops in Singapore that are being converted to to hydroponics farms. So the government's looking at the land that we have and what can we do with with uh, you know rooftops etc to increase the percentage of food made in Singapore. And that's, so that 30-30 plan is by 2030, Singapore wants to be able to produce 30% of its nutritional needs and produce that sustainably. Is it on track? Uh, look, yeah, there's a, there's a huge growth spurt of hydroponics farms coming up in Singapore. The Singapore government really supports it with grants for those that invest in, in that. So absolutely, you know, we, the one thing about Singapore is once they put their mind to something, they go full steam ahead and, and do it. And, you know, literally here when I'm, when I'm looking out here at Sky, you know, many of these buildings that I'm looking out at here, they used to be sea, you know, they're, they're now on sea. And that wasn't so long ago. So it's easy to forget that. One, it's easy to forget yeah, that. If there's one country that can do it, it's, it's Singapore. A hundred percent. And tell me, why did you choose to go there? I mean, before you went to Singapore, you'd worked in all parts of the world, sort of Europe, America and Australia. Why did you choose to go there? My family and I, we'd been back in Australia for uh, for 11 years. Well, my, my wife and I, I, I had, and then we had uh, two children in, in Australia. And, and look, the opportunity came up in Singapore and we still had the travel park. You know? So when the opportunity came up, we thought, you know what, Singapore, it's got amazing schools, great healthcare, it's safe. So it's great family life. And then we get a taste of Asia. And, and also the destinations you get to travel here oh. uh, from here is, is incredible. And, you know, Changi Airport's so efficient. So, you know, the time it takes spent at airports is less. So we just thought, what, what an amazing opportunity to, to give it a go. So, so we, we came to Singapore um, with the vision that we'd be here for two years and, and then we'd go home. And six years later, we're still here. We're not sure when we'll get home just yet, but our boys are now... 10 and 8 and, and they love it here and so we, we we miss home all the time but we also are very fortunate for the opportunity that we have li- living here and our boys you know they're also learning um, Mandarin at school and so it's going to help them to be very worldly worldly kids as well um, and for absolutely us and where when you get to travel do you travel in luxury and where do you like to go that's a great question I mean look, many people I know many friends they they tend to want to go back to the same place. You know, it's familiar for them. They might have their own holiday house or their the, the hotel of choice that they go to. For us, we like to keep it varied. Where, in many ways, I'm a, my wife says I'm a creature of habit, but when it comes to travel, very much not a creature of habit. You know, we we like to try a different destination each time we go. So you know, sometimes that will be luxury, and you know, we've been fortunate to stay in um, some some beautiful hotels around the world. Uh, one of my most amazing experiences was staying at the Chateau de Saron in Epinay in France, which is the Marin Chandon house. Oh. Uh, wow, that's incredible. I've um, had lunch but- there. I wasn't invited to stay. It's a tiered system, isn't it, depending on how VIP you are. And I did get to have lunch, but I haven't been offered to stay there yet. How was it? It's amazing. You know, just every detail in the room and then you, you come down the, the um Maitre d' de Maison greets you on arrival and tells you that dinner is served at seven. And you, so you come down for dinner and there's two huge mahogany doors open to this big table with huge candelabras. And you sit down and have this four-course meal with obviously a um, different champagne with each meal. 
And then the yeah. highlight is that with the main meal, they served the Stom Perignon still wine, wow. which was incredible. The only place they served at the time was at uh, Chateau de Saron. So look, that was incredible. But also, you know, I, we don't mind luxury. It's not all about luxury for us. You know, our, our last trip actually was, was back to Australia just before borders closed in February last year. And, and we went to Perth and then to, to Rottnest Island. And there's nothing luxury about Rottnest and those um, cabins. Are, there's nothing luxury about them. But what an experience. I mean, for the kids, for us, very basic accommodation. But what an amazing island where there's, there's no cars. Just ride your bikes into the different beaches around the island. Um, you know, you've got a local bakery, the, the one pub. You know, experiences like that were just phenomenal. I just can't believe it took me so long to get to such a place. Yeah, well, especially when you live in Singapore, I think the juxtaposition is quite extreme in a good way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And also, you know, you've got to keep your kids grounded, you know. Um, you know, growing up within a five-star hotel environment, thankfully we don't live in and it's something I've never really wanted to do. Um, but you've got to keep them grounded and, and make sure that they understand that, you know, it's not all, life is not all about luxury and, and luxury hotels, uh, so, it's a bit I mean, of a fantasy land, isn't it? Five-star hotels. No, look, it, it, it can be. And, and so that's why it's important. My, my wife loves camping. So, you know, we, we did go glamping in, uh, in Thailand, which was, uh, which was an amazing experience. So, yeah, look, you've you got to keep it, keep it real as well. So what, um, you know, way back in the day, what attracted you to working in five-star luxury hotels? My, my parents used to take us up to the Gold Coast for uh, summer holidays. We, we, I'm from Sydney. And uh, so each, uh, each uh, summer holiday would go up to the Gold Coast. And I used to just love sitting in a hotel lobby and as a kid, you know, as a, as a teenager, and I'd just sit down and I'd watch. I'd watch people coming and going, going to the restaurant, checking in, checking out, going to events. And I was just amazed about how, how do they make all this work? There must be so many different uh, departments and intricacies that, that make all this come together. And so I was really fascinated by that. And so when, when I left school, I studied hospitality management. And um, my, my first job uh, pre-hotels was a chef at McDonald's. Uh, and then um, and my first hotel job was uh, a waiter, a banquet waiter at the Regent Sydney, which is now the Four Seasons. And then I just grew, grew from there in my hotel industry while I was still venturing a, um, a, a rowing career, a sporting career in rowing for, for many years. But for hotels, they just have an energy. Um, yeah. You know, I, I go to work and every day, you know, the energy I get from my team, from our guests, there's just there's so much positivity with hotels compared to many other industries where there's it's, there's like a lot of negativity. We're here, our, we've got one job, to make every guest that walks through our hotel door, our restaurant, our convention center, to make them happy, to make them have an experience, to build an emotional connection with them. And if we've done that, then we've done an amazing job. And, and look, that's, we're very fortunate that we're in an in a industry where we can do that. Absolutely. Totally agree. And talk me through the two hotels that you oversee at the moment there in Singapore. The Fairmont Singapore and the Swiss Hotel the Stanford. We're on top of Raffles City. Uh, so Raffles City is a, is a big luxury mall here in Singapore and it's right on top of the City, um, city Hall MRT station. So we're pretty much bang smack in, in the heart of things here in Singapore. Fairmont Singapore has got 778 rooms. It's a, it's a, it's a big hotel. It's got a, it's got a great executive lounge, uh, some, some fabulous restaurants. 
And, uh, and then we've got the convention center that links both hotels in between. We've got 110,000 square foot convention center. It's, it's the biggest, the, isn't it, in Singapore? It's the, it's the biggest within a hotel, within an international hotel. So we do have some competitors that have larger um, facilities like, you know, Marina Bay Sands, for example, convention center, Suntech. But within, within, a, within a hotel, we are the largest. And then we have Swiss Hotel, which has um, 1,252 rooms. So it's a big, big hotel. And actually in, in Swiss Hotel a few years ago, we introduced an automated check-in process, an assisted automated check-in process. So, you know, I, I got to admit, you know, we we're pretty, pretty worried about this. We previously used to have quite a big queue to check in right. on, on big things. You know, well, with that many rooms, with that many rooms, I'm not surprised. Correct. So, so we took a gamble and, and now we have 10 Microsoft Surface screens in the lobby and we have no reception desk. Now our colleagues are no longer stuck behind a desk, process driven, asking for passports, asking for details. Now they're actually standing next to you, guiding you through the process, but also they've got the opportunity now to, to have a conversation, to talk about what are your plans whilst you're here in Singapore? What are you doing to give recommendations? So what it's yeah. actually done is it, it's sped up the, the check-in process. The checkout process is amazing. It's like now under 30 seconds, you can, you can check out. Um, but it's given us the opportunity to talk to our guests more. And I've had many luxury GMs come and see it and think, wow, you know, this, this is luxury. Because it's ahead of its time, we, ahead of its time. It is, it's well ahead of its time. And, we, and we're fortunate, you know, we, we had assistance through the Singapore Tourism Board, through the government to, to put this in place. They, they, they assist us with doing it. And it's amazing, you know, and, and it is the, it's the future. Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. you know, um, to be able to do that in a hotel like this is incredible. Also in this hotel, obviously, we have um, our two Michelin star restaurant, we have Sky up here. Uh, we have an amazing executive lounge on level 65, which takes the whole floor. Uh, so 360 degree views of Singapore. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've got 13 restaurants and bars, a, a fabulous swimming pool area, great uh, Willow Stream spa. We've just put in a UFIT studio so people can do hit classes when they're here or have personal oh. training. We have six Brilliant. tennis courts. Um, so we're, we're very much an integrated resort without the casino. Brilliant. But look, I have to ask you, how do you sleep at night when you personally manage almost 2,000 hotel rooms in Singapore? I mean, that's just mind-boggling. Yeah, look, it's, um, it is. Look, it's a big business. There's no doubt about that. But, you you're know, running it all. You're, you're the man. I mean, you know, if someone doesn't get their, you know, their um, room service on time, <laughs> you're responsible and there's a lot of rooms to be servicing. Absolutely. But that's where I'm very, very, very fortunate. You know, I've got a wonderful team that, that supports me. You know, one person cannot do it by themselves. And, and, you know, for me, you know, coming from a background of rowing where I know the importance of teamwork, because there's no, there's no superstars in a rowing boat. You're all only as good as you know, each other. And so, you know, and I've brought that into my working life. And so I've, I'm surrounded by great professionals, a, a wonderful team that um, work really closely together. And, you know, we're just the camaraderie we have. You know, they, we, we introduced a training session a few years ago called Kenla. And, and basically that was introduced. So, you know, you have, you're empowered to say to, your, to the guest, yes. Even if you don't know the solution, find it, escalate it, but do not say no. And our team embraced things like that. 
So, so you know, it's I, I sleep very well at night because I sleep well because I know of the amazing team that I that I work with, and and that's seen through the guest feedback we get from from our regular guests, from from new guests. You know, just just I got this amazing feedback from a, a wedding reception that was had last Saturday. And it just said, you know, out of all the hotels we've had a wedding at, your wedding venue, which was at Sky, in our Sky Suites, was far superior than anything else we've been. And they highlighted four of the colleagues that have really assisted them throughout that journey. And it's just things like that really make you, you know, really want to wake up in the morning and get to work and, and continuously improve. Oh, 100%. And look, I can't help but think, you know, with this incredible life that you and many of the, our guests on the show that we interview have in terms of living all over the world in these incredible locations within these five-star hotels, where does a GM of a luxury five-star hotel retire to? So I'm not sure if you're asking that question because you think I'm about to retire. No, no, no. It's just like, where do you, I mean, you know, or you just, just do you not retire? <laughs> No, no, I've still got a few years in me yet. Of course, um, you're really young. but I think it, it depends on the individual circumstance. You know, for, for us, we'll be back in Australia. We, you know, we've got a house in Sydney and more than likely we'll, we'll be there. Um, but, you know, I've got many colleagues that, that, that have retired that are obviously a lot older than me. Um, yeah. that, you know, some of them are in the south of France. Some of them have gone to, to Thailand, to places like Phuket. Some are on the Gold Coast in, in Australia. I mean, I think it really depends on your, your personal your personal situation. For us, family is important. And we've, we've spent a lot of time away from family in, in yeah. our overseas journey and, and now. And so, you know, it'll be time to, to spend that time at home and, and reconnecting and staying close to, to family when, when we retire. So... So for us, more than likely Sydney, my wife's family is in Bendigo, uh, so maybe Melbourne also, I don't know. But if I had my way, it would be Sydney. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I look forward to just that beach lifestyle again, you know, where we live close to the beach and that's where I grew up on the beach and I, I just love that you know, beautiful ocean air. Yeah, it is good for you. It's one of the most positive things about, you know, Sydney especially. It's just wonderful. And I also wanted to ask you for your personal restaurant tips for Singapore. I mean, you're right in the thick of it. I bet you've got some great insider tips for us. Absolutely. Well, there's 10 restaurants and bars in Fairmont Swiss Hotel, which are amazing. Or 10 yeah. restaurants, three bars. But anyway, so when I do dine outside of our hotel, to be honest, I, mm -hmm. I don't go back that often, unless it's really good. But there's, we're just so spoiled for choice. But, you know, I love places like Don Ho, which is in um, Kyong Sek Road. It's a, a really trendy, modern cuisine restaurant, and it has, you know, delicious dishes like this um, this fried eggplant that's just to, to die for. Um, so I love going to a place like that. Meat Smith in Little India. So uh, amazing dishes that are done with, uh, with uh, an Indian influence. You know, we've got a little Spanish place near where we live called My, um, My Little Spanish Place, and, uh, and it does great tapas and things. I love that. And then we've got a local hawker centre not far from us, the, the Adam yeah. Food Centre. And, you know, my kids love chicken rice. I enjoy it. Um, things like carrot cake, and there's no carrot in carrot cake for, for those that are watching and may not know what uh, carrot cake Singapore style is. But, you know, it's, it's a dish with turnips and some egg and, and just great. And so we, we love going down there and having some, some real local and great uh, positive cuisine. But, you know, look, we're, we're so spoiled for, for choice here. It's, we're, we're very fortunate. You know, another favourite of mine is the Pitta Bakery. 
So my, my father's Egyptian. My mum was born in Sydney, but uh, Lebanese heritage. And this pita bakery makes the most amazing pita bread. Uh, the hummus is phenomenal. Oh. It's only second best to my wife's. It's, um, it's falafel is really good. So you can go there, you can eat in, you can take it away. That, that is down at Arab Street, in the Arab Quarter. It's, it's really good too. So, so, you know, just there, you know, I mentioned Spanish, you know, obviously local. Yeah, there's just so many different cuisines that we, 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 we're spoiled. Absolutely. The only one complaint I get from my readers of my website when I review Singapore restaurants is why is the wine so expensive? But of course, I don't think that's going to change because that's about tax. <laughs> yeah, look, it's part of it is about tax. This is very true. Yeah, it's not all about tax. I'm not sure whether I should go there or not. Okay. But wine is expensive. However, we have launched our online grocery store called oh. Fam on at Home. And so for those um, travellers, when you're next in Singapore, if you want to buy reasonably priced wine, and I'm talking very reasonably priced, we sell the cheapest champagne in Singapore, $55 for Laurent Perrier. Wow. Um, you know, you, you cannot find it anywhere else in Singapore at that price. We've decided to open this grocery store to take advantage of the prices we get because we're obviously a huge complex and we get good prices, and then to take on some of the, the bigger players here in, in Singapore. So, Fantastic. you know, we're, we're now selling meat, fish, uh, all your grocery needs, your, your wine, your champagne online. And so, and the response we've had has been phenomenal. Yeah, so, I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, and, and look, and to be fair, there are some restaurants in Singapore that have got very reasonably priced wines. Our Chinese restaurant, Chesuan Court, very, very affordable wines, like bottle shop prices. And so that they are out there. It's just a matter of finding them. So I speak to the concierge and, and ask, look, if I want to find, if I want to drink a really nice wine, if I don't want to spend a fortune, where, where should I go? Because th there, there are some hidden gems out there for sure. Gee, well, that is a secret about Singapore that I never knew. So that's brilliant. But look, I could talk to you all day, Marcus. It's, it's so interesting to hear about Singapore and to hear about your life. But as we ask everyone, where to from here for you? So where to from here? Well, my, my next trip's to Sydney, which I can't wait to get to. We're finally going to see family after uh, two years of, of seeing them. So that will be absolutely wonderful. For us, we, we are a complex that constantly innovates. You know, we, we want to be the leaders in our field. So, so And we feel a responsibility because of our size to continuously do that. So we will continuously innovate. You know, we, we've just launched an online check-in, check-out system. This is the next step from our assisted automated check-in because the, the reality is that, you know, that time at the airport now is going to be a little bit longer for, for travellers where they have to have a PCR test before they're let out of the airport. So, you know, we, we have to expedite and get them to their room as soon as possible, and especially for the business travellers. So, you know, we've got this online check-in now where you can check in on your own phone. When you get to the hotel, you just show us your ID and bang, there's your key and off you go to, to your room. So we will continuously innovate and, and look at more sustainability measures within our complex to, to make sure that we are leading the field. I mean, one thing I didn't mention before, you know, we have in our Fairmont South Tower, we introduce Swiss Pro filtered water within the guest room in the minibar so we've taken out single-use plastic bottles fantastic another sustainability effort that has reduced so many single-use plastic bottles 
you know, just continuously doing things like that. You know, sustainability is a huge part of a core. You know, we have our Planet 21 charter that we, we need to report on to a core and, and we need to do that on a, on a yearly basis. So we will continuously do that. But yeah, for me, the next thing on the agenda is to hopefully get on that flight to Sydney and have a, have a wonderful trip and seeing family and friends. Fantastic. And it was great to hear of a company as huge as a core taking such massive moves in sustainability because that helps the whole world because they really are so powerful um, as a business. But look, thank you, Marcus, for speaking to us from Singapore. You know, I know I speak for all of Australia when we can't wait to get there, whether it's in a, a tunnel or travel tunnel that they're talking about or whether it's just coming there on the way to, to the rest of the world. But um, I think, you know, I absolutely love Singapore. It's a fantastic city and can't wait to see the hotel myself at some stage. Absolutely. We look forward to welcoming you and, and the rest of Australia once borders are open and, and they can come back. We know we've got many regular guests that are uh, just so looking forward to that border opening and um, having their Singaporean experience again. So until Absolutely. then, um, yeah, take care and stay safe. Thank you, Marcus, and same to you. Thanks, Renee. Pleasure Bye talking. now. Bye-bye. Don't forget to subscribe here and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for regular travel updates. You can also hear our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.